Well, shalom chavarim. That means, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my dad, Ron. Dad, say hi. Hi, shalom. Glad to be with you. Hey, we're going to be doing okay here. Wow. Yeah, no battle right here from the very beginning. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about the fall feasts. Now, we did a quick overview. Actually, it wasn't so quick. We had to apologize. That went a little bit long. Uh, and then the last podcast, we did a really quick verse 22. What happens between the spring feasts, which have already been fulfilled, and the fall feasts that we're about to get into that have yet to be fulfilled? They are still prophetic. And right in the middle, we talked about verse 22 from Leviticus 23. Now, We are going to devote this time today to a holiday, a fall feast that we call Rosh Hashanah. But that, right from the very beginning, it's not totally an accurate name for the holiday. I I would say our Jewish people call it Rosh Hashanah. And growing up, uh, my family, in in our celebration of the Jewish holidays, we referred to it as Rosh Hashanah. I mean, look at a Jewish calendar. It, It says Rosh Hashanah on there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But... It's not exactly biblical. Right. So Rosh Hashanah, it literally means it's the head of the year. But the actual new year for the Jewish people, biblically, is going all the way back to Passover, right? So right. as you're looking at the lunar calendar. so Right. The month of Nisan, first month of the year. And so along the way, we, we've gotten a little bit off. Um, we've, we've imported some things from Babylon 2,500 years ago. And even the months, some of the, the names of the Hebrew months have been brought in there. But the Feast of Trumpets starts here on the first of the Hebrew month of Tishri. And what we're going to find is that it's less Rosh Hashanah, and what we're going to call it is the Feast of Trumpets, or Yom Teruah. Now, before we really jump into that, uh, can, I, can I tell you a joke real quick? Oh, oh, we got a joke. I got, okay. I got a joke this time. You ready? All right. All right, so it's on the morning of Rosh Hashanah, and Rivka, she went into the bedroom to wake her son and tell him it was time to get ready to go to the synagogue, to which he replied in a dull voice, I'm not going. Why not? Rivka demanded. I'll give you two reasons, mother, he said. One, they don't like me. And two, I don't like them. (laughs) Well, Rivka replied in an exasperated voice, I'll give you two good reasons why you must go to the synagogue. One, you're 54 years old. And two, you're the rabbi. <laughs> That's a good one. Did you like that one? That's a good one. All right. I like that. I win. We need to like add some like crowd laughter or something yeah. in there. <laughs> Thanks. I'll be here all episode. It'll be great. Well, let's look at uh, Leviticus 23, 23. This is the beginning of Yom Teruah. Why don't you read that for us here? Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder, by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. So there it is. That That is it. That really... and you, It doesn't tell you a whole lot <laughs> as to what you're supposed to do. Right. Blow some trumpets. Why? Uh, don't don't work very hard, uh, and so we we have some things, and you'll see there's there's biblical mandates, and there's some things that we have that we we want to we want to stay true. We want to be people of the book, uh, and then over time the rabbis have added things in, and so 
we will oftentimes need to make some separations and some divisions. What is biblical and what is rabbinical? Do you see some of that that, that takes place over, over the years? Yeah. Um, a lot of the things I know growing up, uh, we were living under rabbinic Judaism uh, in terms of our celebrations, and there was a real difference between that and what the biblical accounts were in, in a number of things. So we want to make clear uh, so there's an understanding of where the Jewish people are and how they look at these things, but also uh, what the Bible says about them. Yeah, so for example, what's one, one thing that we actually do every time uh, it comes to Rosh Hashanah, one thing that we put out on the table is apples and honey. Apples and honey. And I've never complained about that. I mean, there's no. lots of really horrible Jewish food that we can complain about, like gefilte fish. I love right? gefilte fish. Of course you love gefilte fish. It, do you know what gefilte fish is? What is gefilte fish? Congealed carp. No, no. I went gefilte fishing once, and I caught one. <laughs> Jeez. So apples and honey, we, we eat that, and it's, it's, a, it's a wish to say that may your year be sweet. And, and that's great. It's a beautiful thing. We love apples and honey. Uh, but it really is is tied into the idea that it's the new year, the Jewish new year. Mm -hmm. But again, we want to restore and get back into the biblical sense of, of what's going on here. So what happens in a Jewish synagogue at Rosh Hashanah? Well, growing up, I went to a Messianic congregation, which is not an Orthodox congregation, but we had a lot of stuff that was in common. And one of those things was the blowing of the shofar. And we have a little guest here. Uh, he is an expert shofar blower. If you don't know what a shofar is, number one, Google it. Number two, uh, it's a ram's horn. And this, we, we would combine uh, prayers and blessings with a chant that would be followed by the shofar. This is what that sounded like. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the loud clarion call of the shofar, bringing bright hope to a people long scattered and stricken with sorrow. Comforting Israel with promise of divine healing and redemption. Renew your faith in God who made you a nation and sent you the Messiah. Return to your God and establish a kingdom of peace for all people. Heed the sound of the shofar, O my people. And then the rabbi would say this, and he would, he would almost chant it. He would say, Tekiah. And then he would say, Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the sharp, piercing blast of the shofar, rending the air with its message, its portent of heavenly salvation. Summon man to his father to render him homage and devotion. Renounce your sins and your transgressions, your foul aims and your vain strivings. Infuse in your hearts a new spirit to build a new earth and a new heaven. Heed the sound of the shofar, O my people. And then he would say, Shavarim. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the shrill, quivering notes of the shofar, blasting its message of warning, its cry of alarm and awakening, urging us to work with our brothers to combat the ills that beset men. Accept the challenge to triumph over forces of wrath and destruction. Remove from your midst crime and warfare, poverty and greed, and every form of contention. Heed the sound of the shofar, O oh my people, Teruah. 
the last one. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the long echoing tones of the shofar, calling all people to hear the voice of the Lord, to listen and not turn away. Happy are those who listen to him, who put their trust in him, who obey him. They shall walk in all of his ways. They shall call and he shall answer. They shall trust and will not be afraid. Happy are those whose God is the eternal. Heed the sound of the shofar, O my people. Tekia Gadola. the floor that was a lot well good thanks steve that was my brother he's been doing that for years as we've always sounded the shofar so that's the sounding of the shofar have you ever blowed a shofar not very well not very well <laughs> the trumpet player i play the accordion there you go the other jewish instrument it's perfect so in addition to blowing the shofar uh there's a passage that's read in the synagogues for rosh hashanah and it's called the reading of the akeda uh, tell us a little bit more about this. Fill in the blanks. Uh, the Akeda is the binding of Isaac when Abraham was instructed by God to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, and take him to a mountain that he would show him and offer him up as a sacrifice. So this is Genesis 22, and mm-hmm. really, Isaac is marked for death. Uh, his father ties him up, and we'll we'll spend a whole episode or two on just this, but he, he ties him up, and, and really he's sentenced to death at this what, point. What is interesting is that God says that he is to take him to a certain mountain, and it was three days' journey, and in Abraham's mind, Isaac was as good as dead for three days. That's right. And so at the moment that Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, the Lord stops him, and what is intervened in that moment is that there is a ram. Yeah, there is a ram caught in the thicket. What's interesting is just prior to that, as they are both going up the mountain, Isaac says, I I see the wood and the fire, but where is the sacrifice for the offering? And Abraham tells him God will provide himself a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was a ram. But all of this is pointing, and it's a type, it's very messianic, it's one of the most clear pictures of the Messiah who would come. Yeah. And in that moment, the ram is caught there in the bushes, and I think they both said a big, whew, yeah. that was close. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So why do they read this at Rosh Hashanah? Well, at this point, um, we have Isaac who was bound, and he was tied up, and he's now set free. And essentially, he is remembered for life. He is set free, and he is he is given that freedom into his life. And, and that starts this season of the fall feasts. And really, this season is known as the beginning of the days of awe. And what does that mean? What are the days of awe? The days of awe are the day be, days between what our Jewish people refer to as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the books will be opened and uh, you desire to have your name written, obviously, in the Book of Life. Now, even leading up to the Fall Feast, there is a season of uh, meditation and uh, singing songs and looking at psalms of repentance. And so Jewish people during this time are seeking reconciliation with people that they've wronged, uh, but it's really an introspective time. And, And they truly believe that it is during these 
days of awe. And actually, there are 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur that God has his books open and he is writing down who will live and who will die. May your name uh, be inscribed in the book of life. And so this is the, the decree. And so even after every Rosh Hashanah service or Yom Teruah service, we, we say something. What do we say? May your name be inscribed in the book of life. Yeah, may your name be inscribed and sealed for a good year. And so that's it. Yeah, at the end, uh, we, we, we made it through the whole service, and everybody's going around saying, May your name be inscribed and sealed for a good year. Now, Leviticus 23, it literally, the Hebrew is that this day is called Zikaron Teruah. It, it's a memorial or a remembrance of the blowing of the trumpets. And at this time, this is Leviticus, third book in the Bible, in the Torah. They're, they're supposed to remember the blowing of the shofar. Uh, and and show, we're going to use shofar and trumpet interchangeably. I know, like, don't don't picture the brass thing with the three valves, but uh, this is the shofar. What what is it that they are supposed to remember? Well, we really only have two books, <laughs> Genesis and Exodus, that take place before this. And if we go back to Exodus chapter nineteen, as the Jewish people approach Mount Sinai, uh, we get some comment on where the trumpet is in this whole idea of the remembrance of the trumpets. Yeah, so God is, is bringing his people together. He's brought them out of Egypt. He's carried them out on eagle's wings, and, and he's going, bringing them to Mount Sinai. And in this place, there's essentially, there is a marriage that is going to take place. God is setting up the conditions for their covenant relationship at this point. And so they are given all of these instructions about purity and about washing. And, and the people, in, in Exodus 19.8, it says, Then all the people answered together, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. They go through, and as you look at Exodus 19, um, let's start in verse 16. Um, would you just take a moment there? Uh, read verses 16 to 19 there in Exodus 19. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning, flashes and thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Where did they stand? At the foot of the mountain. Okay, that's important. Yeah. Pay attention. Okay, now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the entire mountain quaked violently. And when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. What a racket, right? Wow. You have all of the people of Israel, they're assembled, but they're at the bottom of Sinai. There's actually boundaries set. Don't cross these boundaries yet. Right. If you do, you're dead. You're dead. Even an animal couldn't cross those boundaries because the animal would be killed. And so what's taking place here is God is setting up his covenant. This is marriage on top of the mountain. And so the clouds descend, the smoke is there, and the clouds are literally this canopy 
Um, today, when we get married in the Jewish culture, we get married under a chuppah. A chuppah. And the people of God, they were married under a chuppah. Not like we think in all the movies, but or <laughs> in our celebrations, but it was the chuppah was a cloud covering. A canopy of clouds, yeah. And so they're watching this. You can even jump ahead to Exodus 20, verse 18. All the people, they were watching and hearing the thunder and the lightning flashes. And again, it says, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when people saw it, they trembled and they stood at a distance. Yeah. And so the idea of this being a remembrance of the blowing of the shofar of the trumpets has to harken back to their experience of not too far back uh, in their in their past. It's their recent past. Yeah, and so when they're when they're hearing this passage in Leviticus twenty three, and it's saying you're going to remember. I want you to take one day. Don't do any ordinary work, and we're going to remember this. This day will be the memorial of the sounding of the trumpet. They're thinking, ah. Oh. Sinai. That was the day. That was the day that we got into covenant with God. We are... Something changed, right? So up until this point, they were the people of God. But but God makes some pretty clear distinctions. Something happened there. Not just a people, but now they are a what? They they are a nation. They're a treasured possession, he says in, uh, in verse uh, 5. Uh, a kingdom... They were to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, I don't think they ever got to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, they were a kingdom with priests, uh, but they were a holy nation, and they were a nation at this point, moved from being a people of God to the nation uh, because God gave them a constitution. That's Exodus 19. That I, I, I want us to think about that in terms of this day of the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, but I also want to go a little bit further in the story. Uh, and this Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, shows up again, and it's it, strangely in the book of Nehemiah. Now, the context for Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. Nehemiah, we have the captives, they're coming out of Babylon, and Nehemiah, his main task is he's a builder, right? Yeah. They're rebuilding. Yeah. They're going to rebuild the temple. Rebuild the temple, they're rebuilding the walls, and they get mm -hmm. to this point where they've done some significant amount of work. They check in, who are all the people that we have? And we see some of that in Nehemiah 7. And Nehemiah is there with Ezra. And in chapter 8, I want you to see, as we go through this, that there's there's something that's happening here. It says this. I want you to read there, starting in verse 1. Yeah, and, and all the people gathered as one person at the public square, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. So the law of Moses, that would be the Torah, right? Genesis yeah. through Deuteronomy. Yeah, they had, they had found the Torah. And then Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Most of the time we read stuff like that. I think there's maybe two misconceptions, two things that we just kind of gloss over in Scripture. One is the days, because who cares? Unless it says, you know, February 22nd, we don't really have any context for that. But this is the first day of the seventh month, which we know from Leviticus is the first of Tishri, which is also, it should be an indicator for us if we're listening. This the is the seventh month. This is the seventh. This is Yom Teruah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I will say the other thing that we, we tend to just look over oftentimes is geography in the Bible. There are places that are mentioned. But that's, again, we'll get to that. All right, so this is, this is Yom Teruah. Now, verse 3. And he read from it before the public square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday. 
in the presence of men, women, and those who could understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for that purpose. So they're reading this. Mm-hmm. Really, for this generation of Israelites, this is the first time that they've ever heard it. Yeah. And, yeah, they're coming out of captivity. They're coming back to rebuild their land, and uh, they are listening. They are eager to hear the, the words of the Lord and to understand it. And they have a great response. If you go ahead in, in verse 9, it says, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all of the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Why are they weeping? They hadn't kept it. Yeah, they were so far removed from that. And so they're weeping. And he says, go, eat the festival foods, drink the sweet drinks, that's wine, not grape juice, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared for this day. This Yom Teruah is holy to our Lord. Don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your refuge or your strength. Yeah, there was a sense of awe that they were in the presence of a sovereign God. And, and truly, these are. this was a day of awe, not just the days of awe. Right. And then it goes on to finish out. It says, the Levites silenced all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. Then all the people went away to drink to eat, send portions, and to celebrate a great feast because they understood the words which had been made known to them. It, it's not just that they celebrate. They went from mm-hmm. extreme weeping and mm-hmm. sadness and mourning to something in Scripture. It's called great, great joy. Great joy, great celebration. It's yeah. in Hebrew, simcha gadola. And it only that phrase only shows up here and at the anointing of Solomon, King Solomon. Mm. So this is distinctive here. Now, there's also some similarities. If we were to put this passage, Nehemiah 8, and you put it right next to the passage that we just read in Exodus 19, what are some of those similarities? Are we talking about the trumpet? <laughs> yeah, we have we have this, this connection of the trumpet, although the trumpet is actually not... Not mentioned here in Nehemiah 8, but I want you to just, if you can imagine the picture in the scene. In, in Exodus 19, we have all of the people of God. It says that they are gathered together at the foot of Mount Sinai. Here in Nehemiah 8, we have that they are gathered together as one person. Um, there is, in, in Exodus 19, we have Moses who is standing above all of them, and he's at the top of the mountain, and you go over here to Nehemiah, and you have Ezra the scribe, and he stands on a wooden platform, which they made just for this purpose. One man meeting with God, hearing from God, communicating the word of God to the people who are gathered together. And the response both times is, all that you've commanded, everything that you've spoken to us, we will do. We will do. Now, this day was a reminder of the covenant between the people of God and the mighty sound of the shofar. And it says, not since the days of Joshua did they celebrate this. And this started something for the people of Israel here in the book of Nehemiah. They went on to reinstate uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and really this was a beginning, a renewal. I want you to remember the sounding of the shofar because God's voice is in the sounding of the shofar. And in all of Israel's history, uh, they are given to remember what God has done, whether it's 
the exodus out of Egypt or the giving of his word, the law here, uh, it is always a matter of remembrance. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses lays out just before they go into the promised land, remember, remember, remember what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt. Remember. And so remembrance is an important part. Never forget. Now, we, we did skip one little passage, um, going back into Exodus, uh, Exodus 19, and uh, I believe it's verse 13, right? Yeah, about verse 13. Uh, it's interesting because when Moses gave to the children of Israel uh, the words that the Lord had commanded him, and they said, all that he has spoken we will do, and then they were supposed to go up the mountain. Uh, it says, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. In the Hebrew, it actually says that they will have actually an expectation to come up to the mountain to meet the Lord. And where's the Lord? He's in that cloud that is above the mountain. He, they are supposed to meet him at the sound of the trumpet in the cloud. Okay, so let's, I mean, some people might be getting ahead of us here uh -huh. a little bit. At the sound of the trumpet, the, the loud, piercing blast of the trumpet, when that happens, you will meet the Lord in the clouds. What we've talked about in this episode is really the biblical history, uh, the, the first act of what is taking place during Yom Teruah, or the Feast of Trumpets, but there is a second act that is coming. There's something more that we have to explain. Yeah, and what's interesting is I think a lot of our friends uh, in the church know a lot about that second act, and maybe not so much about the first act that we were just talking about. And on the other hand, our Jewish people know something of how to behave in that first act, and they know nothing of the second act. So you got to come back next time, because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what is, what is the future promise of the shofar? What, what is the future of the shofar? We believe that there is going to be another sounding of the trumpet, and there is going to be a trigger. Something is going to be happening, and it directly impacts mm. you and me. So that is this episode of the Jewish Road Podcast. If they want to find out more, what do they do? Where do they go? Go to thejewishroad.com. That's right. You're doing great. And if you want to listen to the podcast, you can check it out on all of your different podcast platforms, whether it's Apple or Spotify or even Google Podcasts. There's like a million of those. But you can share those with your friends. You can like, you can subscribe, leave a review, all of that fun stuff. So until we meet again, until next time, we will be talking. It'll be the Feast of Trumpets Part 2. But until we meet again... Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.